How's it going, everybody? I'm Dallas. I'm an alcoholic, drug addict, dope fiend, sconte warrior, noodle groover, whatever you want to call it, you know? <laughs> um, thank you, Sean, for inviting me to be here. I'm really uh, grateful to be here with all of you guys. Um, my first Fire garage. It's my first time speaking at a meeting, so, you know, if I stutter sometimes, you know, I'm just um, breaking out in um, stress, so please bear with me. Um, I have a sobriety date of 5-9-20, so I got sober during um, COVID. Um, it's been pretty hard, but, you know, I've, you know, been trudging through, so that's pretty good. Um, I have a home group of Fight Club Men's Stag on Friday nights. Um, pretty, talk a lot of shit, but we're serious about a recovery. Um, if you guys haven't been, check it out. If not, I'll send you the info for it. I know Sean's been there a couple times. Um, yeah, um, I currently, you know, have about a little over eight months. Um, I currently, you know, I have the knowledge of the 12 steps. I take guys through the steps. Um, if anyone is needing a sponsor, you can come see me after the meeting. I'm willing to sponsor. Um, man, my life today is pretty good, you know. Um, it hasn't been easy, but, you know, um, I've definitely put in the work. Um, what it was like for me growing up, um, you know, I had a pretty normal childhood. Um, I don't know, pretty just normal white guy from Orange County, you know. Um, parents didn't have like a lot of money, but you know, we got by. Um, and um, yeah, my life was pretty normal, you know. From the beginning, I thought I had those alcoholic tendencies when I was a kid, you know. I always thought I was different for everyone. I was always had some weight on me. Um, I was always the fat kid around. I was really loud, like you can hear me coming from a mile away if you saw me. Um, so I always thought I was different, that's for sure. Um, definitely stood out. Um, and, um, yeah, um, I definitely had, think I had those t alcoholic tendencies. And, you know, growing up, I actually got to see, I had to watch my mom uh, go through her alcoholism, you know. I think that's where more of uh, my alcoholic tendencies really came through. Um, I saw my mom, you know, hide bottles, or I had to hide bottles from her. I went to Al-Anon. Um, I had to pour her vodka out, and sometimes she would drink rubbing alcohol instead. I remember, I've watched her have, like, four seizures. Um, we took her to the hospital one time. She said they're... They said her blood alcohol level was 0.4, which is, yeah, they said they should've, she should have died twice by now. And um, I don't know how the hell she is here right now, but she is, you know. You know, I, I've never, you know, when I first started this program, you know, the whole higher power thing, you know, really got to me, you know. But, you know, I think that was one of the first early signs, you know, where I think there's something greater than myself out there working its magic somewhere. Um, and, you know, like I said, um, go watch my mom go through her alcoholism, you know, kind of. That's where I started my tendencies for sure start to happen. Um, I, she would throw phones at me, you know. She would, um, she would call me, she would call me a little shit, kick me out of the house, tell me not to come back, and then cry like 20 minutes later. Um, so I got to really see what alcoholism was really like, you know, in the forefront. Um, and then she got sober, still sober to this day. She's got 12 years. It's pretty awesome. Um, and I think she's actually on the Zoom call right now, or she said she would. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think that's where I was introduced to AA, you know, just going to meetings with my mom. You know, every time she hit a year or a certain amount of sob uh, sobriety, I would go in and, you know, be there for her, you know. I'd see all the steps on the walls, you know. I'd be like, oh, this is pretty cool, you know. But, you know, that'll never be me, right? Um, and... Yeah, you know, that's when I started going out and doing my own partying, you know. She got sober, and I was like, all right, cool. I don't have to be the parent for my own parent, you know. Got to go out and have some fun. And um, kind of like what Tyler said, um, you know, kind of started out just smoking weed, drinking, um, you know, little things here and there. I didn't really like weed at first, you know. I liked uh, drinking for sure. I remember the first time I ever did drink, um, 
I remember the first time it hit my stomach, I think I drank like, I think I had like eight Smirnoff Ices and two Bud Lights. Fucking, hell yeah, right? That's fucking (laughs) drink of champions. Um, And I remember the first time I ever took that drink and um, the way it felt about me, um, or the way I felt about myself, you know? I didn't feel like this fat kid, you know, anymore. I kind of felt like I could be anybody I wanted to be. And I'll never forget that feeling because ever since that day, that was my goal every day, was to feel, feel that feeling every day. So I started smoking weed, drink on the weekends, you know, when I was in school, taking Xanax before going to school. Um, yeah, that was the life for me, you know, just uh, gradually, slowly, but surely I would, um, you know, find new things, you know, hand me anything that will change my complete my state of mind, you know, so I didn't feel like that kid anymore. And I would do it. Um, yeah, it started off with like Xanax and drinking. Um, and then, you know, um, started doing ecstasy. Man, I loved ecstasy. I don't know about you guys, but I sh- that was my shit. Um, I'm sorry, I feel comfortable being here at HA, you know, compared to AA meetings, you know, I can't really say that much, you know, to when an old timer will come out, you can't say those things. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I loved ecstasy, man. I was like, <clears throat> I was rolling all the time. I remember I went six days without eating and just just fucking rolling out of my mind. And I remember that was the first time someone came up to me like, dude, I think you have a problem. And I was like, no, you have a fucking problem. You're the problem. And um, yeah, I remember being so desperate for that one time. I actually, one time I actually like butt plugged a pill. Like no joke. Never told anyone that by the way. It's pretty embarrassing, but I felt like I should say it, you know. Um, I actually did that though. It didn't work by the way. Um, it did not work. Apparently I was doing it wrong. I don't know. But <laughs> um, I definitely, I definitely tried that, you know, thinking that it would do something. It didn't work. Um, but that's how desperate I was just to feel that feeling every day, every day. So, you know, just continue smoking weed and drinking, you know. And then after um, I stopped doing Xanax because my dealer um, disappeared out of nowhere, um, got busted, um, my friend introduced me to Coke. Loved me some cocaine, too. The stuff was the shit, you know, except for it got really expensive, you know. And it's like that's why they call it a rich man's drug. You know, it only really lasts for 30 minutes, then you need more. Um, my roommate was actually selling at that time, and that's where I started doing that, getting fronted all the time, you know, um, asking him to just give me sacks and I'll pay him later, and you know, $400 later, you know, um, I end up paying his rent, you know, because he's living with me, you know, because I owe him all the money, and um, yeah, man, uh, that's where, uh, that's where, yeah, that's where, um, you know, it really started to get out of control, I think, you know, that's where I started to let it affect other things in my life, you know. Um, you know, my mom was getting sober, all these other things are happening in my life, you know, I was completely ignoring it, you know, my sister, my sister is a meth addict, I think she, I mean, I, mean, I know she still is, you know, but um, she was going through all these things, you know, and I wasn't there for her, and, um, and yeah, you know, because I was so blinded by me, just wanted to fucking not feel like myself anymore, not feel anything, and, uh, you know, like I just really started to, you know, I think that's where I really started to lose it, you know, because I just wasn't really, you know, fully there. And that's all I knew was just how to get high. And that's all I wanted to do still. And I kept doing that, you know, and then I moved on to meth. Love that too, you know. Like I said, anything I can get my hands on. Whippets, you know, anything. I don't know if you guys ever tried that, but that's fucking gnarly. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, man, uh, when I moved on to meth, you know, that was... Uh, that was a really highlight of my life because that was my favorite drug, you know? Like if, you know, and they always ask, you know, what was your favorite thing to do was doing meth, that's for sure. Made me feel, do some weird ass shit, but man, I loved it. 
I loved it. I would go to work. I, would work to, I worked at a Smart and Final in the produce department. I'd be stocking the shelves. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, let's do this. You know, I'm sweating balls. My eyes fucking diluted as hell, you know. And then, of course, you know, I'd freak out. You know, oh, my God, they're watching me. Everybody's watching me. Um, and, yeah, you know, um, that's, where, that's where I think I also started to realize, you know, where it was getting really out of control because, you know, I actually at one point started prostituting myself to get it. I would hit guys up on Craigslist and meet up with them and, you know, do stuff with them. And I'm a straight man, you know. Like, I would do stuff with them just to fucking get high. That's how much I wanted it. And that's how much I couldn't get it or I'd hide it from people, you know. Because, like, you know, I had friends like, oh, where are you spending your money on, you know. I didn't want them to know, so that's what I would do. And, you know, I think that's where, I, like I said, I really started to think my life took a turn. And, um... Yeah, fucking, and then, um, you know, I took a break from that, you know, and they talk about the insanity, you know, at one point, uh, the guy I was doing meth with, he was, uh, I ended up getting a neighbor who was a dealer, so fucking all my, all my hopes and prayers were answered, um, and then, you know, I was doing um, meth with one of these guys, and um, apparently my sister came up to me, and he's like, dude, that dude sexually assaulted me, and I was like, what the fuck are you talking about, no, he didn't, you're fucking crazy. And, you know, that's what I think about when I look back on my life. You know, that was the insanity. I was so concerned about being able to get hired and believe that my sister was, like, a victim of something like this, you know? And she actually mentioned that to me a couple weeks ago, and I just remember, like, wow, like, that's fucking crazy. Like, <laughs> that's how fucking out of my mind I was. That's all I, that's all I really thought about was getting high. I didn't care who wanted me, who cared about it, you know? I didn't keep in contact with my parents, nothing. I neglected everyone in my life, you know, what was important to me. I lost a lot of friends that way, you know, and um, yeah, um, and then I moved on to heroin after that, you know, my roommate was still selling, you know, but, um, you know, luckily enough, I never, you know, picked up a needle, I got, I was blessed with that, I almost did one day, and then someone fucking, one of my good friends told me, he's like, hey, he's not doing that shit, he'll never do that shit, so I would only smoke it, thank God, um, and um, yeah, fucking, I love that too, um, like I said, I love the, just that relaxed feeling, you know, sitting there not being able to do anything and just fucking just chill the fuck out. Um, and yeah, you know, and then after that, you know, for a little bit, I decided I wanted to just change it up. I turned 21 and I was like, all right, cool. Now I can just drink and drink in public and not have to worry about doing drugs. I wanted to take a break from that. So I did. Um, I get wasted at a bar. Uh, blackout and then my friends would tell me um, I almost started a fight with some dudes um, I would be a loud mouth a smart ass um, I would just, and then I would start crying I was one of those people who'd start crying like a little girl you know because nobody loves me you know everyone hates me I'm the fucking I'm just the litter run of the litter um, <laughs> and um, yeah I think that's where I really started to get you know the book talks about restless irritable and discontent you know I just drank just to not once again, still feel, you know, I was still going through that. I never really solved that problem of like what was going on inside of me. Um, and, um, sorry, brain fart there. Um, yeah, I just like, I just kept drinking just not to feel, you know, and then, um, got a couple homies come back from the hood, you know, and they, you know, we started doing drugs again, you know, that was chill. But then I started to realize that it was taking control of my life. So I just went back to drinking. You know, just replacing one thing with another, you know, no matter what it was, I just didn't want to feel. So I just put another thing in my hand, whatever it was. And, um, yeah, um, I just did that for a while, just drank, I ended up getting married during that time, still married, luckily, I don't know how the hell my wife is still with me. Um, and, uh, yeah, fucking, 
Um, ended up meeting my wife and then, you know, was doing drugs still, you know, with her, sometimes without her. I was still doing coke, fucking doing oxys, kind of like what Tyler said. I watched one of my friends overdose in front of me. I think that was like a real moment where I was like, fuck, I can't do these drugs anymore. But alcohol, I can still do. It's legal, right? I can fucking handle that. Obviously, I was wrong. Um, and yeah, um, just kept drinking. And then, um, you know, it kind of just took over my life. And I know that's all I did every other day. I would wake up, eat in the morning, go to the store, buy a handle of vodka, be blacked out by 11 a.m. Go to sleep, wake up at 4 p.m., do the same thing again. And then just did that almost every day, every day. Every time I get off work, it's the first place I went. And, you know, I was really just, you know, trying to fill that void that I was still feeling, you know. And I didn't really realize it until I got sober that I had that void still. You know, I thought I had gone over it because, you know, I was older. I was a kid then, you know, it just went away. Excuse me. And, yeah, freaking, um, yeah, so... You know, when they talk about the first step, you know, when your life becomes unmanageable, um, you know, and you're powerless over alcohol, um, on the couple of days before I got sober, I, um, I got into an argument with my sister. I had just got, you know, COVID was around. I just finally gotten a job after being laid off for a couple months and, um, I decided to get drunk, celebrate. Awesome. And so got blacked out drunk. And I got into an argument with my sister over her ex-boyfriend stuff being in our garage. It had been there for like four years. I've been arguing with it about it with her for a long time. And I was like, yo, I want this shit out of my garage now. She's like, oh, he's getting out of jail. Don't worry. It's going to be out. I'm like, you've been saying that for three years. Fuck this guy. I'm lighting this shit on fire. <laughs> so I did. So blacked out drunk. I took all of his shit and I put it in a pile right outside of our garage, right? And like, say like, you know, like. Here's my garage, and this is all the shit, right? Like, that close to it, right? I set it on fire, and I'm blacked out drunk. I barely remember any of this. I had to tell uh, police officers, the fire authority, and my wife tell me all what happened. Um, yeah, I set it all on fire, and it ended up catching my garage on fire, spreading to my neighbor's garage, their car, and my car on fire. Everybody loves that story. That's why you heard someone say, call me fire crotch at the beginning of the meeting. Um, and... Um, yeah, I see Ryan laughing right now. He loves that story. Um, um, yeah, so um, I went to jail for my first time. That was pretty awesome. You know, got thrown in the loop, blacked out drunk. Um, I remember I was so belligerently violent. Um, I remember, I, apparently I ran away from them. I was on the other side of the neighborhood. And I got arrested. That's when I started to come to. I was like, what the fuck is going on? And they're like, yeah, dude, you're getting arrested. You're getting arrested on four felony counts of arson. First time ever getting in trouble like that. I was like, wow, damn, that's fucking insane. Um, and my my mom is over there trying to help me. I'm telling, I'm calling her a bitch, telling her to fuck off, get the fuck out of here. Tell my wife, just forget me. I'm going to jail forever. Like just stupid shit. Like I don't even, I don't even know why I said any of those things. Honestly, I'm looking back and I'm like, what the fuck would I even say that shit? Like that doesn't even sound like me. And so um, I went to jail. You know, my first time ever. It was there for about three days. They threw me in the Elmont. If you guys are familiar with Orange County Jail, the Elmont is for the crazy people. Um, yeah, I was there for a few days, you know, they would come in and kick your, kick your sandwich bag in, like, here you go, time to eat. And, you know, eat bologna sandwiches for three times a day for three days, fucking just, just not good, it's disgusting. And, you know, that's where I really had my waking up point, like, kind of like my aha moment. I remember sitting in the, the Elmod saying, you know, like, God, if you are, if, if you are fucking out there, please fucking help me, because I do not want to live this way anymore. 
And a few days later, I ended up getting released. I got bailed out. And um, yeah, that's where I decided to make a, a turn for my life. You know, my, like I said, my mom was in the program. She got 12 years sober. She's like, are you actually ready to get sober? Because before I would go to meetings, you know, like, you know, look at these steps. Like, I don't need this shit. I can go to a couple meetings a week and handle it. Obviously, that didn't work out for me. And so I decided to get a sponsor and actually work the steps, you know. Um, I got a sponsor. He's a great guy. Love that dude to death. Um, he's actually an old childhood friend with my sister. He actually used to party and do drugs with my sister. So it's funny how that turned out. Um, and, uh, yeah, fucking, I, he was like, how serious are you about getting, wanting to get sober? I'm like, yeah, I'm serious. He goes, you willing to go, willing to go any lengths to get sober? And I said, yeah, I am. And he said, all right, well, do you believe in God? And I was like, fuck no. I was like, hell no, I don't. And he's like, well, he goes, well, we'll get there in a sec. We'll get there in a little bit. But first, you know, let's, you know, get down to the Rudy problem, the grit problem, you know? And I started working my first step, you know, asked me, do am I willing to go to any lengths? Yes. You know, <clears throat> sorry, I need some water. Um, asked me if I'm willing to go any lengths to get sober. And I said, yeah, I am. And he said, all right. So moved on to step two. And he said, you know, I want you to pray every night. Kind of like what Tyler, you were saying, you know, I just want you to pray. And I'm like, pray to what? And he goes, you don't believe anything out there is great in yourself. And I'm like, I don't fucking know. I was like, kind of look what the book talks about with electricity, you know, something that you can't see, hear, feel, feel or see, you know, but we believe in it, right? It's electricity. You know, we use it. And um, I was like, okay, yeah, sure. I started doing that. And I, and like, and I started to see some changes in my life. Exactly what you said, man. I related so much to that, you know, like how you started to see things that you didn't see before. Cause you were asking for that guidance for that, almost like that light to see these kind of things. And I did, I started to notice that I had good things in my life. I just wasn't appreciated of it or I just didn't see it. You know, I had a caring wife, like I said, who for God, some reason has stayed with me through all this, you know? Um, and then, you know, I uh, kept moving through the steps, got to step three, you know, started, you know, putting my will in God's hands. You know, I still don't even understand what the hell that means sometimes, but you know, I do it because it's not about me anymore. You know, that's what made it very clear when I started this program. It wasn't about me anymore. I've done enough on other people's lives, my own life, you know, it's time to give it back, do something else for somebody else. And so, yeah, I started praying. I see the third step prayer every night. And I think that's where I really, really started to see changes in my life. I started to be able to get, uh, start applying for jobs that I never thought I would get, and I got them. It's crazy. I mean, I know with COVID going off, people got laid off, and that's happened to me a bunch, but, you know. Um, and, yeah, you know, um, did the fourth step, you know, did the moral inventory, you know, took a, got some, uh, equipped with facts about myself, you know. Um, you know, admitted to, admitted to my sponsor the stuff that I didn't admit to, kind of like I did some of you guys tonight, you know. I've only told my sponsor that, you know. And I think that was a big turning point was that fifth step that I did with him. Really told him, was brutally honest about what I had done in my life. And I really noticed a change after that, too. Like, every step has, has shown me another change in my life through my higher power. And I know that's hard for some people to grasp, you know, the whole higher power thing. But, you know, just pray to something, you know. Like, something is out there that is greater than ourselves. I don't fucking care. Call it the ocean, for God's sakes. I don't care. You know, just, you know, there's something out there that is looking over us, you know. And then, you know, got to, you know... Step six and seven, you know, try to remove my character defects. I just try to, you know, do the best I can every day of my life. Try to do all the things I was doing wrong and try to do the right thing this time, you know. And then, you know, really the best, you know, made it amends to all these people I didn't want to make amends to. Fuck that. I don't want to apologize for the things I did, you know. And I did. You know, one of the other things my sponsor asked, are you willing to get uncomfortable? And I said, yeah. And I did. 
And I've heard a speaker say, you know, that being uncomfortable and when things are an inconvenience is where the magic really happens. And that's where I did. Sean asked me to speak tonight, and he was like, yeah. He's like, yeah, I'll speak. Like, How long are you speaking for? He's like, 30 minutes. And I was like, fuck. I was hoping for the 10-minute slot. And I was telling Eric, like, when I got here, like, it's my first time speaking at a meeting. Like, oh, god damn, I'm nervous. Like, I don't, I've never done this before. But I did it because, you know why? Because in order to get sobriety, you know, you got to give it back sometimes. And, you know, that's why I love about these steps, you know, my higher power, you know, giving it back to another person. One important part is, um, I actually, my dad died last month. And um, he had cirrhosis of the liver and um, from alcohol. Alcohol-induced, and they had cancer in his liver. Found him dead, face down, in a pool of his own blood. Sorry, I'm not trying to be morbid, but, you know, like, I just really want you to understand, you know, these are the things I, I have gone through, and I've still been able to walk through it sober. And, you know, the thought of wanting to drink or use had, did not even cross my mind. It still hasn't. And this, it's only been a month. And like I said, I've only have eight months sober. And the craziest thing, you know, I look back on it, you know, I can't believe that this program has given that to me, you know, and it's, and it is through my higher power for sure. Cause you know, like that first night I just kept praying to him, you know, like, can I get through this? And the next day it got better. And the next day it got better. Cause I kept that constant contact. Like what you talk about on the 11th step, you know, and it's really has just changed my life. You know, and the first thing I did when I, when that happened, you know, I went to a meeting and I got my first Fonzie. Crazy. I told him my story and he was like, dude, how the fuck are you here right now? Your dad just died yesterday and you're here speaking at a meeting right now? Or you're here like leading a meeting? How the fuck are you here right now? And I told him, I was like, cause I worked the fucking steps. If I didn't work the steps, my, I don't know where the fuck I would be. I don't, I definitely know if I wasn't working the steps, my dad died, I fucking, I would probably be dead right now. You best believe I would be dead right now. Because I wouldn't want to live after that. But these steps have really shown me that I can live through all these hard times and these hard moments in life and still go through it sober. And yeah, shit's tough, you know, sometimes, you know, you know, that's, that's the craziest things about I've noticed about beginning sober. That's when the most crazy shit is going to happen to you. But you know, through this program, you know, you find so many people that are loving and there for you. You know, like I went to a meeting and saw Sean and he's like, dude, let's go get something to eat sometime. You know, like I'm, I can't even get my own friends to come over and want to do something with me. Like, fuck man. Like, and just like, I just, I'm so grateful for this program and what this program has given me because it's given me my life back. It's given me me back, honestly. I can't remember the past, like since I got sober eight months ago, all the things that I forgot that I knew how to feel or that I liked enjoying. Like I love cooking. Like I didn't even, I didn't even know I enjoyed it that much. I liked to kayak. I didn't know I fucking liked doing that, but I fucking tried it, you know? And you know, I'm just like super grateful for this program because that's, it has given me my life back and it has given, it has given me back to everyone else in my life who cares about me. And like I said, like, you know, sh uh, shortly before my dad died, he got sober, you know, because they told me, like, you can keep drinking, you know, you're fucking, you're cirrhosis, your liver is failing, you know, you can keep drinking or die. And he decided to get sober, and he said I was his inspiration for that. And that's what really keeps me going, too, because that's what he would want. He would want me to be here sharing that with other people. And every time I went to all of them, I went to a meeting, and I, even if I shared, he was like, fuck yeah, that's fucking great. And, you know, that's what, that's what I learned in sobriety. In order to give it, or in order to get it, you got to give it. And that's why I'm here tonight to share this message with you. And I hope that you guys walked away with something. Thank you. That's all I got.